Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, and welcome to this bonus episode of Freedom Books, Flowers and the Moon, the podcast brought to you each week by the Times Literary Supplement. I'm Ros Deneen, and I'm delighted to be joined today by the Pulitzer Prize-winning author Elizabeth Strout. Elizabeth Strout rose to prominence in 1998 when her debut novel, Amy and Isabel, became a bestseller. Since then, in her novels such as The Burgess Boys, My Name is Lucy Barton, and Anything is Possible, Elizabeth Strout has developed her themes. There are often strained family relationships at the heart of her work, her characters experience enormous emotional losses and appeasements, and there are frequently unwieldy gaps between their outward behaviours and their internal climates. They are often in a state of quiet astonishment. In 2009, Elizabeth won the Pulitzer Prize for her novel Olive Kitteridge. Olive Kitteridge is a character who has firmly pushed herself into the hearts of many readers. She is in every sense enormous and complex. When we first meet her, she was a retired teacher living in Maine, married to a kind pharmacist called Henry, with a nearly grown-up son, Christopher. And now, in the sequel, Olive Again, we follow Olive up into her 80s. Both books consist of a series of connected stories about Olive and the people who live around her in quiet provincial Maine. A lot is kept undercover in the New England light, and Elizabeth Strout reveals it with care, with precision and with respect. Henry Mantel has called Elizabeth Strout a craftswoman in a league of her own. Thank you for joining us. I'd like to start with that Henry Mantel quote and ask you about your craftsman or craftswomanship. How much do you think of yourself as a craftsperson? I'm definitely a craftsperson. That's how I get my sentences to the mind of the reader, by crafting them in a way that the reader doesn't even know, but the sentence needs to fall on the reader's ear in a particular way mm. it needs to rise up off the page in a particular way mm. and all of that's my responsibility to do for the reader yeah and in each story it often feels like a character or each chapter has gone through some reframing of a situation internally and the way that's plotted the beats of that is so subtle and I think that's how that's how it, it feels like that's how the characters really carried over as right. you go you go with them through that does that is that a kind of a process of of rewriting and rewriting or is it or is it going to the page the first time very clearly no i rewrite all the time mm. i i rewrite constantly i'll rewrite a scene as soon as i've written it um often you know if i think that 
the scene is going to be worthwhile keeping, I'll rewrite it almost immediately. Yeah. <laughs> and continue to rewrite it until it sounds right. Uh-huh. It sounds truthful and it sounds, uh, like I said, something that the reader can receive. Mm. And how did, the first time, as I tried to suggest in the introduction, Olive is such an incredible, full character. How did she first appear to you? Was it a process of revisiting and rewriting an idea that she came or did she sort of come fully formed? No, Olive Kittredge came um, really fully formed. And the first time she showed up with the original Olive Kittredge book, I was unloading the dishwasher. And I, I always remember she was just right there. It was like if there was a presence behind me and I could hear the inside of her head thinking, it's high time everyone left. I saw a picnic table, which I've never had. I don't even know anybody who has a picnic table, but I saw a picnic table and I heard the inside of her head and I realized she was at her son's wedding. And that was the first story that I wrote. But she was there and I really did not have to dig too far to find her because she's so olive. She presented yeah. herself very yeah. clearly. And the, and and she's so she's so olive, she's so one way, but she's also so so many contradictions yes and she's so full of contradictions complex and yeah. that scene you describe it's eviscerating at her son's wedding yes and she's in her dress and she hears someone criticizing that's her right. dress it's it, and that's really the first time and that's in the first book you feel her massive vulnerability yes. I felt was in that that's right that moment and it's interesting that's the first that was the first one and that's also when she takes that wound about her dress which she's proud of because she's made it mm. and she hears her daughter-in-law criticizing it mm. you know through the window then that's also when she takes her revenge on her daughter-in-law and steals her bra and one shoe yeah and that was um that was a lot of fun to write I had no idea that that would happen but that's what I felt Olive would do at that moment yeah and there's moments as well there's so, so many very characteristic Olive things she does and I feel that in the second book, there's kind of even more oxygen to her. So yes. she's even more oxygenated. But one of my favourite things, as she's leaving, she's always waving right. her hand she above her head. She waves her hand above her head. Like, but, right. To yeah. people behind her. It's so, it's sort of, yeah. it's so dismissive. Yes. Um, in My Name is Lucy Barton, which was a, a previous mm -hmm. book, the character Lucy says something like that she always knew without question that she would be a writer. There was no sort of disturbing that idea have you always operated with the same certainty not only in your own life but also when you're when you're looking at when you're dealing with characters like olive is there a real certainty about their destination to you their destination that's interesting i never really know what a character will do mm -hmm. until they do it mm -hmm. i mean like when olive stole that bra i had no idea she would do that i was just feeling her wound you know about the dress and then i thought okay well she'll get up off the bed and she'll walk around and there's the bureau and now you know let's open the drawer and oh look all these little bras are there and you know let's take one so i don't really know until it happens what they will do but mm. i do know who they are mm. you see what i mean yeah and it's interesting at the end of towards the end of olive again um because throughout the books there seems to be this narrative that olive does sort of know who she is and there's a wonderful quote which i love in one of the stories in which a a, a daughter is is telling her parents something about 
herself mm-hmm. and she remembers her math teacher who was Olive right. and she says um, one day she stopped a math problem she was doing on the board and she turned around and she said to the class you all know who you are if you just look at yourself and listen to yourself you know exactly who you are and don't forget it and so this inspired this character right. to move on <laughs> but then towards the end of her life Olive seems to be questioning whether right. she ever really knew herself. Exactly. And that was part of the evolution of the book for me. Um, as I as I sort of watched it come together, I realized, okay, this woman who is so forthright in so many ways actually begins to understand that she doesn't really know who she's been in yeah. a certain kind of way. Yeah. Or who she's how other people right. have have perceived her have perceived or or her. what or the damage that she's done to people. Yeah. And there's and there's a moment as well when her son Christopher and oh my gosh there's so much to talk about in these books but I think the arc between Christopher and his mother is is incredible and when he moves yeah. he moves to New York with yeah. his second wife and that whole scene in their that story in their new house is just yeah. astonishing. And at one point he turns to his mother and calls her a narcissist. Which right. actually can be quite a surprise for the reader, perhaps, right. depending on how you're reading. Right. And do you think this is a term that's bandied about a bit too much now? Do you think Olive is a narcissist? Do you think You know, I don't I don't know that she's a narcissist. I think that Christopher thinks she is. Mm. And um and that he would be of the generation that would use that word more frequently. Mm. Than somebody like Olive, who's really quite surprised to hear that about herself. Um, I think she has narcissistic qualities, but I don't know that she would be a full-blown narcissist. Yeah, because it's a very sort of nuanced view of parenting in all of your books, I think. Mm-hmm. And there's sometimes examples of really obvious parental cruelty. And there's a lot of parents who are doing their best and finding out that their best is not good enough and their best is actually quite harmful. And there's also a lot of forgiveness in the relationships between parents and their children. Was parenting something you particularly wanted to explore and expose? It just came organically with what I was working on, you know, because these these characters either are parents or they have parents. Mm. And so that would just be a part of what I was doing with the character mm-hmm. and and exploring, therefore, that relationship. Yeah. Um, and at one point, there's a character in the new book, Suzanne, and she realizes something about her family and she says, Oh my God, these people, how did I get out alive? Right. And do you think that that's a, it feels like that, that's a, a common realization throughout the books, people looking back and seeing something about their upbringing? suddenly very differently to how they expected it. Right. And again, that's not something that I deliberately went to the page to do because that's an idea. Mm. And I don't go with an idea. You know, I always go with a character. So when I'm working, I'm working on a character and with a character. And then I will look back and realize, oh, look, (laughs) there's there's a theme that's going on here throughout the book. But I don't go to the book with that in mind. Right. Were you surprised then by how popular and loved Olive Kitteridge has become among many readers because you weren't going to write her with a particular idea right. to create a loved character? No. And she's, actually she's very she's difficult. She's quite unlikable in many, many ways. Yeah. Um, and I've I've been very surprised over the years to see how people have loved her. And I, 
I've come to the conclusion that, you know, she's very complicated and very contradictory, but I think many of us are. Mm -hmm. And I think that most of us try to keep those aspects damped down, but Olive doesn't because she's just right out there. Mm -hmm. And so that readers can attach themselves to different pieces of her contradictoriness and understand that those pieces and that might be why they love her so much yeah there's a moment again at the end of the new book where olive makes a new friend yeah and Mm -hmm. it's so moving and and she says about her new friend she's being sort of i think a bit internally critical about her then she says about her she's honest yes exactly and that's right yeah and you realize that's maybe what Olive has always been after. Exactly. And yeah. and I think that's what her second marriage in, in Olive, again, you know, she has another marriage. Mm. And I think that that's something they can provide each other. Mm. Because, you know, Jack Kennison is actually quite honest. He's honest about himself. He's honest about his own prejudices. And and Olive is honest about herself yeah. in a certain way. And, and they that's their common meeting ground, I think. Yeah. And there's that lovely moment when he... Uh, so he's quite wealthy, right? And right. and they're flight they're taking yes. a trip, uh-huh. and she refuses to yes. fly first class That's with him right. on the way out. That's right. But on the way back, he's bought her a first class ticket right. anyway. Exactly. It's just so, it's exactly. So sweet. She's very funny. She's in the bulkhead. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that there's also a hunger among readers for a character of this with this much honesty, but also of this age? Now we take Olive all the way up to, you know, when right. the body starts failing, when right. you fall over and you can't get up. Right, right. This stuff isn't doesn't appear in good fiction very much, These, these this, this age. It's interesting. I think there probably is a need for a character like Olive mm. to, to be in the fictional world. And do you think that's one of the reasons why so many people have loved her? Because she's, because she's of a... A time in her life she's experienced so much. Yeah, she has experienced a yeah. lot and she continues to experience a lot as she gets older. And I was very interested as I was writing Olive again, I began to realize that, you know, I think there's a myth in this world that people reach a certain age and they just stop. Mm. And Olive, she's not stopping, she's continuing to grow. Yeah. And I think that people do continue to grow or or they continue to diminish, in which case they've been doing that for many, many years. Mm. Anyway, so mm. I think that was interesting to me that people you know, can start a, a trajectory at a younger age and, and it goes forward. And at the end of Olive Kittredge, I realized that she had taken her blows and she was growing. And then I thought, OK, so when Olive again, she will continue to grow because mm. I think that people do. Yeah. Until their last breath. They're they're observing, they're feeling. They should be given some dignity with that. Mm. As this book explains, it's not like you get to a certain point in your life and you go, okay, now I've done right. everything I meant to do. Right. And this is what I think of everything. And right. it's, you exactly. sum everything up. You That's just, right. You just, you're just continuing That's all right. the time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Really, these books, it's, I mean, it's about, I guess, small town America. It's not, you mm-hmm. know, what if goes to New right. York twice, I suppose. Right. Is that right? She goes once to visit her son. She goes, and she'd, she goes once to visit her son in Olive Kittredge. And she'd sort of driven past once before right, or something. Right, exactly, yeah. right. Um, but otherwise, her whole life is somewhere where not much happens. Right. And yet everything happens there. That's right. There are literally, there's, you know, m- murder, there's yep. suicide, there's, yep. dr- there's everything. Right. How do you keep it all 
under control? Well, I take it, you know, I take it a character at a time. Okay. And, um, and I take it a scene at a time. So I don't, I never write anything from beginning to end and I will write in scenes. And, and so that the morning, you know, whatever morning I'm sitting down and writing a scene, I will try to make it, you know, as truthful as I can. And if it's got what I think of as a heartbeat to it, then it can stay on the table. And then okay. the next day I'll write another scene um, that will hopefully have a heartbeat. Anyway, the point is that the, eventually these scenes connect. Mm-hmm. And in that way, I can form a story or a book. Mm-hmm. And it's also often the what, what's so beautiful about how the scenes connect is often, you know, everyone's looking at the same sky in Maine, experiencing the same right. seasons. And they, these seasons and these descriptions of their surroundings do something slightly differently yes. to each character. Yes, of course, because each character is different. And so their yeah. experience of the world will be different. Yeah. Right? And there's a beautiful, particularly beautiful passage where Cindy... She's ill, and uh, she's so moved by Olive's astonishment at the landscape outside. That's right. And they talk about the open-throated light. Right. Just such right. a brilliant, brilliant moment. Was do you, were you quite... Because you grew up in Maine. Right. Were you Were you always moved by the landscape, by what was going on around you in that way? Yes, I, I think I absorbed it at a very young age. You know, my childhood was isolated and we didn't have television or anything and so I was outside on my own a lot and I think the physical world was you know really my first friend Mm -hmm. so I was very aware as a as a young child without even being fully aware of it that you know that the sun would fall down through the trees in a certain kind of way and Mm -hmm. the hepaticas would be you know tucked under that kind of rock and the tree toads would be under a different kind of rock yeah so that's always been a large part of who I am who were your influences in terms of who you read do you read while you're writing or yes I yeah I I mean if I didn't read when I was writing I wouldn't be able to read right since I'm always writing writing. yeah exactly (laughs) um but you know Alice Monroe was an enormous influence on me and William Trevor Mm. um the stories of William Trevor and, and his novels as well, but his stories have always meant so much to me. And I, I've always been very interested in the internal life that we all have, which is ours alone, and how that bumps up against the real world that we live in. Mm. And so when you're talking about how different people view the landscape differently, you know, it's because their interior life is different Mm. from somebody else's. And so they will see the real world in a different way. And so often in in the Olive books, it feels like the characters kind of come to an understanding that their interior life is all they, that's all they own. Yeah. That's all they kind of have. That's right. Yeah. Right. Have you finished with Olive, do you think? Or do you think she could come back? Well, I mean, I I feel like I finished with her, but I thought that I had finished with her before. So, you know, I just, at this point, I'm I'm a little nervous about saying anything about (laughs) (laughs) never writing about her again. I don't think I will, but... um, How did she she come back the second time? She showed up um, just as unexpectedly as she had the first time I was sitting in a cafe in Norway. I was checking my emails and I just, boom, she just showed up. She was just right there driving her car into the marina that time I saw her get out of the car and she had a cane and I realized oh okay and I had to get it down because she was just so vivid to me well I hope that 
she comes back again. I'm sure many read as well. And I cannot yeah. recommend the new Olive book enough. It's thank absolutely you. wonderful. Thank you. Um, thank you so much for joining You're us, welcome. Elizabeth. Thank Stratt. you. It's lovely to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.